0: This is the annual Mexican Independence Parade, in the heart of Chicago's Little Village neighborhood. It's always a big draw for politicians, but this year, it was especially crowded. Chicago, <laughs> Muy buenos días. Chicago has elected a number of Latinos to office — aldermen, county commissioners, state reps, even congressmen — but the city has never had a Latino mayor. Census numbers show the city's Latino electorate continues to grow. So could 2019 be the year Chicago finally elects its first Latino mayor? Well, only if somebody actually runs. This is on Background, the WBEZ Politics Podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. This week, what are Latino politicians saying and more importantly, doing now that Emmanuel has bowed out of the mayor's race? Also, a look at what's changed over the years when it comes to Latino voters. Joining me today is WBEZ's Claudia Morrell. All right. Hi, Claudia. Hi, how's it going? Good. So let's do a brief history of
1: Chicago's Latino electorate. So Chicago's Latino population really exploded in the 1990s. The mayor at the time, Richard M. Daley, really brought Latinos into the fold And that's about the time when the Hispanic Democratic Organization, or the HDO, was created. Victor Reyes ran the HDO for a while, and he was Mayor Daley's old chief of intergovernmental affairs.
2: Rich Daley got into office in 1989. He's had 60 percent plus numbers in the Latino um, community. So for many, many, many years, he was the Latino candidate. He had a tremendous track record at empowering um, Latinos, whether it's elected Latinos or, or appointed a t- Latino. So for that period, I think there was this feeling that he's doing right by the Latino community. They rewarded him with their with, with their vote.
1: And the HDO, with the help of Daly, gets more and more Latinos into office, especially on the city council. Uh, but we should also note that later on, the HDO would break up due to a federal corruption conviction. But at the time, there was a large wave of Hispanic politicians being elected across the state for the first time.
0: So fast forward to 2010, Richard M. Daley announces he's not going to run for another term in office. He had been mayor for six terms at that point, and so it was a big shock. But for the first time in years, the field was wide open, sort of like it is now that Mayor Emanuel's bowed out. What do Latino leaders do at that time, Claudia?
1: Well, at the time, there were two Latino candidates that emerged. Uh, one was Gary Chico. When I'm mayor, we're going to knock down that wall of bureaucracy in City Hall and put our neighborhoods back to work. And Miguel de Valle.
2: I'm city clerk Miguel de Valle, and I'm running for mayor. We can strengthen our democracy by participating in the upcoming elections.
1: Also Chico for- was a former chief of staff for Mayor Richard M. Daly. De Valle was a city clerk. But Daly didn't endorse either. Actually, most of the money in the establishment went to Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who was the chief of staff for President Obama. And so Chico came in second and Del Valle came in third. All right. Fast forward another four years. The Latino population has continued
0: to grow. Rahm is up for reelection. And for a while, there was... No Latino challenger until Karen Lewis, the president of the teachers' union at the time, decides that she's not going to mount a challenge to Emmanuel after she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. She puts up a guy named Jesus Chuy Garcia.
3: I've been a lifelong resident of Chicago since I came here in
0: 1965. What I learned. Claudia, explain what happens next.
1: So Garcia was this county commissioner, and he didn't have much name recognition beyond his area of the Little Village neighborhood on the southwest side, which he also represented as alderman. And he had ties to the whole Harold Washington progressive regime that came into the 80s to really shake up City Hall. And so he mounts a challenge to Rom, and the entire Latino caucus, save for one person, uh, Rick Munoz, who replaced Garcia on the city council, endorses a over Garcia. And when I talked with them, they said it had nothing to do with race and Latino politics. It was just a pure, this is what you do. You don't knock down the incumbent. It's about loyalty. And one alderman uh, from the HDO uh, Ariel Raboiris said, if Mickey Mouse was the incumbent, I would have endorsed and campaigned for him to put it in that perspective.
0: (laughs) So that certainly didn't help Garcia, even though he was a Latino.
1: No, it didn't help him that a majority of the Latino caucus did not support him. But he still forced Emanuel into a historic runoff in 2015. And there were a few factors that led to that. One was record low turnout uh, for that February race because people thought that Emanuel had it in the bag. And then second was, that once he had pushed Emmanuel in the runoff, people started to take him more seriously. And so he started seeing a lot more money coming in from the service unions and the CTU, the teachers union. And then he had all these aldermanic candidates who were also in runoffs. And these are new candidates going after old embedded candidates. They ran on choose coattails and used the progressive label to to win council seats, even though Garcia lost.
0: So why do you think it is that for two mayoral elections in a row, the Latino candidate comes in second? Why is that happening? Why are they falling short?
1: It has to do with the fact that they aren't just one big voting block of Latino voters here in Chicago. And even in the geography, the northwest side Hispanic population is predominantly Puerto Rican and the southwest side Hispanic population is predominantly Mexican-American and multigenerational. They've been there for a very long time. Those nuances play out in elections. And Victor Reyes talks about this.
2: Latinos are vigorous competitors, there's liberals, there's moderates, there's progressives, there's uh, young people, there's old people, Um, and so within the Latino community, you have a really vigorous, highly competitive environment, and you've not been able to find the one uh, Latino or small group of Latino that has been able to unify North, South, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Um, you know, all of the different interests in the Latino community have not really been unified. Um, to date.
0: Which brings us back to this week. Luis Gutierrez, the congressman, the outgoing Democratic congressman, holds a press conference. Hi, everybody. Good morning. And he says, I'm not going to run for mayor, but I know a guy who should run.
3: Jesus, Chuy Garcia is a man for these times. I can't think of a single leader who has his finger on the post of Chicago and cares more deeply about its future. I want him to be my mayor. I think he can heal the city of Chicago. I think he has that special place.
0: I asked Victor Reyes about how this all played out.
2: I thought it was very well orchestrated uh, politics.
0: What do you mean by that?
2: Oh, All of that is orchestrated, right? It's all organized and orchestrated to take advantage and create momentum and create movement. Um, So I, I, I think they did a good job at it.
0: And do you think that it has created momentum and movement? And do you think he's actually seriously considering a run? Or is there a different end game here?
2: I think he's going to announce that he's running.
0: Claudia, what do you make of what Luis Gutierrez did?
1: Well, I think he had to set the record straight to say that he wasn't going to run for mayor because his name had been thrown out there. I mean, again, there were, what, 20 names and there's more names still keep coming yeah. out. And, I, I, don't <laughs> Everyone think, and their sister. I don't think that he really ever had a path to victory. And it's still kind of unclear what prompted his decision to step down from Congress and hand over that seat to Chewy. He said he wanted to focus on helping Puerto Rico be rebuild, which he made that announcement last winter when the two of them held a press conference to tell Chicagoans that uh, Luis was retiring and that Chewy would run for the seat. And at the time, everyone thought it was a backroom deal with Mayor Emanuel ahead of 2019, because remember, Gutierrez endorsed Emanuel in 2015, and he got a lot of flack for that.
0: Have you made a deal with Mayor Emanuel?
1: Will you support him when he
0: runs again in 19?
2: No deals. Absolutely not. There is no quid pro quo. This is strictly the trust and relationship that we have built over the years. I will not endorse Rahm Emanuel for mayor in 2019, if that's what you're asking, John. Even though you didn't raise your
1: hand. Fast forward to now. Uh, Gutierrez is kind of being very careful about his messaging, saying, I think he'd be great for mayor. But, hey, he's also got an election in November for Congress. You should vote for him for that, too.
3: Mire, número uno, yo el primer martes de noviembre yo voy a votar por Jesús García. Yo voy a garantizar ese puesto para Jesús García, ¿ah? Huh? Ah uh, y en febrero veintiséis voy a votar por él para alcalde de la ciudad de Chicago. Una cosa no excluye la otra.
0: What he just said there is he's going to vote for García twice. Once in November for Congress and again in February, should he decide to run for mayor. He says one does not exclude the other. But Claudia, there are other Latino names being floated. We hear Gary Chico again and Illinois Comptroller Susana Mendoza, who is also a former city clerk. Why would Gutierrez not back one of them?
1: Mendoza is actually a very strong candidate should she decide to run. And she's also in the similar predicament as Jesus Chuy Garcia in that they are both on the November ballot. Although she has a challenger for her controller seat, Garcia does not. I feel like everybody should take a, a breath and a step back and kind of just, you know, breathe. Um, so I am fully focused on the next 62 days. People aren't sure if Mendoza even wants the job. She has indicated that don't ask me until November. If she were to run, she would have the backing of the really strong Southwest Side Madigan organization, which comes with the labor groups. And she has a lot of really close ties with aldermen from her time as city clerk. Uh, She was very popular as city clerk.
0: Also this week, it sounds like a former Garcia backer is actually forming a committee to support Mendoza. Marty Castro released a statement yesterday that he is going to start circulating petitions on her behalf. She's, of course, trying to stay out of it. But I did want to ask, Claudia, this is illustrating the fact that, like you said before, not all Latinos are going to vote the same. They're a very diverse electorate. Who does Garcia have on his side? Who would Mendoza have on her side?
1: Yeah, I could see Chewy getting strong support from the service unions again and CTU, so the political unions. Because he is a Bernie guy.
3: I have the
2: distinct honor,
3: pleasure, and it just tickles me to death to say that Senator Bernie Sanders has come to Chicago.
1: One thing that really brought his name wreck up is his close ties with Bernie Sanders in the Bernie Sanders presidential election. The
3: establishment of Chicago knows that you are here and they are getting nervous.
1: Susana Mendoza, I could see getting a lot of support from big business and the building trades because she knows how city government is run. And at the end of the day, a lot of these You know, large businesses and the people with money, they do business with the city of Chicago and they want to know that someone is in charge that they have done business with before and that they can trust that there aren't any wild cards. Like what happened in the Harold Washington days and council wars, which could happen if there is a huge progressive movement and there is a fight for, you know, and there's a complete changeover with committee chairs and the legislative process.
0: So it sounds like Mendoza could get a lot of establishment support, uh, support from people who maybe backed Rahm Emanuel, whereas Garcia might actually have the support more of that growing Latino electorate, which we do know is
1: really driven by younger Latinos. Right, Claudia? Yeah, we do know that younger Latinos are voting a lot more and they're just getting a lot more politically engaged. Victor Reyes talks about this.
2: In the past, young Latinos didn't vote. Now, young Latinos vote. The under-30 crowd is actually voting. One of the other interesting aspects that I saw in this last election, young Latinos, you know, 30 to 40, who had never voted, right? So you're 30 years old, or you're 35 years old, and you never bothered to vote. And suddenly you come out to vote for the first time at 30 and 35. You wonder, what what is causing that? Why are not just the youngest Latinos, but why are those 30 to 35-year-old Latinos Voting, and I can only surmise that it's national politics, that they've been awakened by what's going on at the national stage and have decided that they've got to participate. Um, So that's one of the interesting trends that I saw in the last election cycle.
1: Congressman Luis Gutierrez brought this up as one of the reasons why he's not running and why he put up his daughter, Jessica, uh, in a race for alderman in the 30th Ward against an Emanuel ally and HDO alum, Ariel Roboirus, the Mickey Mouse guy.
3: And I'm not going to do anything to cloud my daughter's future or put in question her independence. She's going to go out there, and she is representing... Jessica, who were the other young people? Aaron, one, he's 26. Alma is 28, right? And our... Delia Ramirez is
0: 35. There he's talking about young Latinos elected during the March primary. One of them, Aaron Ortiz, took down Dan Burke, who's the brother of powerful alderman Ed Burke. So, Claudia, it seems like young Latino voters are potentially a really big force to be reckoned with, both in the local elections and nationally.
1: Yeah, one variable that has changed between 2015 and today is the election of President Donald Trump and the stance that he's had on immigration and the response he has taken in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. And this could be one issue that could really unite the Hispanic electorate in Chicago Alderman George Cardenas kind of alluded to this at the Mexican Independence Parade on Sunday when he when he addressed the crowd and he said that this is the time for we unification.
3: Este año tenemos oportunidad de lanzar un latino para la prestigiosa oficina de la of alcaldía de esta ciudad. Tenemos que tomar en serio esa oportunidad, y gente, escuchen.
1: What he's saying
0: there is Latinos have a huge opportunity to
1: seize fifth floor. Absolutely. But again, there's still a lot that could change in this race. I mean, as we started recording this, the news of Bill Daley came out of wanting to run in. So we're probably going to be saying names every day until the petitions are due. <laughs> Which is in November. Right. Claudia, thank you
0: so much for your time. Thank you. Claudia Morales covers city politics for WBEZ. That's all for this episode of On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe and download in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at WBEZ.org slash politics and always on air at 91.5 FM.